Let's attend to God's word now. Uh, Let's turn to Luke chapter 5 again and to the calling of Levi. Luke chapter 5 from verse 27 down to verse 39, 38. I want you to imagine if... uh, you like if you were going to the Coatbridge Health Centre and as you made your way down the corridors to the waiting room, uh, you passed notices that said, this is a health centre. These premises are only for those who are in good health. You'd scratch your head. You'd wonder, what are doctors doing if they're not attending to people who are unhealthy? Surely a health centre is a place where you go uh, to become healthy, not where you go because you are healthy. Or what if somebody had said to you, you know, feeling really rough, uh, I think I'll go to the doctor, but I'll, I'll wait until I'm better before I go to the doctor because, you know, I, I just don't want to make a fool of myself. Again, There is no logic in that, is there? You go to the doctor when you're feeling bad. You go to the doctor because you think that the doctor has the training and the wisdom to help you to get better. People who are unwell go to the doctor when they are unwell, not when they're feeling strong, not when they're feeling healthy. Now, sadly, uh, you see these uh, upside-down attitudes reflected in the church. There there are churches which can make it difficult for uh, newcomers to feel at home. Happily, I don't think that uh, we are one of these churches. I don't think that's the case here, but there are churches where that would be the case. Uh, Churches which are ingrown in their attitudes, uh, where the focus is on me and my friends uh, who are Christians. Uh, People in church who have no friends who are outside the church, uh, who spend all of their spare time with church people and are really not that interested in getting to know people who don't already share their convictions. And there are people outside the church uh, who have come across these kind of attitudes and who begin to think that they would never fit into a church anyway. And so you have the the attitude expressed in the line, if I went into a church, the roof would probably fall down on my head. You know the things that people say? Church isn't for me. So here's the question, who is welcome in church? What's the church for? One Archbishop uh, of Canterbury, Archbishop Temple said, The church is the only society that exists for the benefit of its non-members. Jesus said, I have come not to seek the righteous, but sinners. Therefore, the church always has to be orientated towards the needs of those who are not yet believers. The church is a hospital. It's not a health club for the superfit, a gym for the superfit. It is for those who are broken by sin and who need to meet the divine physician. Here we are being put together. Here we come in our weakness, our ill health, our sin, to meet with Jesus, who alone is able to make us right with God. Now, 
the passage that we've read, the calling of Levi, is one of a number of passages where Luke is pointing out to the fact that Jesus is interested in those who are in the margins, those who are outsiders. It's of a piece with what's gone before. And so you have, for example, the calling of a Galilean, a northern hick, a man, the Jerusalem folks would say, a man with an accent. Peter, you've got the calling, you've got the healing of a leper. Somebody who was definitely on the outside wasn't even allowed to live uh, within the confines of towns or villages, had to live in a leper colony. And here we meet with Levi, who is a member of a despised class, the tax collectors. On each occasion, Jesus is reaching out to those who are marginalized, despised, who are outsiders, and he's drawing them to himself, bringing them close to himself, telling them, come to me, become a member of my family. This is where you belong. The day that Levi followed Jesus was such a day of celebration that it sparked off a round of criticism from some religious killjoys and led to Jesus uh, expanding on the, the newness, the radical nature of his kingdom. We're going to think about uh, these aspects of the calling of Levi. We're going to think about the choice of people that Jesus makes, the call that Jesus gives, the celebration that Jesus brings. <clears throat> Look first then at the choice of people that Jesus makes. For us to appreciate the significance of Jesus choosing Levi, we have to understand how the Jewish people looked down upon tax collectors. What was it that made them look down on tax collectors? I mean, uh, inland revenue inspectors aren't everybody's friends, but we don't generally look down on them in the way that they look down on tax collectors. Therefore, what was it about them? Well, they were working for people who were overlords of Israel. They were uh, an invasion force and the tax collectors were working for them. Now, nobody likes to have their country run over by an occupying force. And therefore, the Israelites resented the fact that the Romans were ruling them, that they had soldiers in their streets, and that they had appointed men to raise taxes for the running of government. So the Romans were resented, and especially resented were those who worked for them. And in addition, the way that these tax collectors went about their work made it doubly hateful. The Romans farmed out the, the levying of tax to people like Levi, and they were paid by taking a cut from the taxes that they raised. So you can imagine that there was huge scope for lining your pocket by taking more than you were entitled to. And so uh, the, the Talmud, the, the, uh, the, the Jewish uh, commentary on the scriptures, equates tax collectors with robbers. You have the, the term tax collectors and sinners 
being used frequently in the New Testament, you will come across this, tax collectors and sinners. It's almost like a technical term. They were noted for taking what wasn't theirs. So, if you can imagine the kind of resentment that they engendered, think about uh, people that are paid by private firms to clamp cars that shouldn't be, that supposedly shouldn't be where they're parked. Okay, and then ramp that up a bit and think of these car clampers working for an occupying government. And you've got something of an idea of the resentment that people felt against the tax collectors. They were a despised underclass. That's the kind of person that Levi was. Now, it takes a certain kind of young person to go to the careers advisor at school and to say to the careers advisor, uh, I've decided to become a tax collector for the Romans. It takes somebody who is focused on what they want out of life, somebody who is not concerned about being popular, but is simply wanting to make his or her pile that they would go out of their way to take a job that was hateful simply because it paid well. That's what Levi was like. He was super ambitious, single-minded in his pursuit of wealth. He was a businessman with no ethics. And when the Pharisees later saw Jesus with Levi, they were quite sure that Jesus was mixing with the wrong sort. He's definitely a sinner. And they complain, not of course directly, but to his disciples, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Not the healthy, not the righteous, the sick, sinners. That's who I've come for. Now, Jesus is not saying, of course, that there are people who are righteous enough that they don't need him. Only that there are people who think that they are righteous enough that they don't need Jesus. The Pharisees should have known as well that the scriptures themselves say that there is no one who is not a sinner. It was ridiculous of them to point out to a certain group of people and say, they're sinners, tax collectors are sinners. What does the scripture say? Psalm 14, 2 and 3, the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Any of you who did the Two Ways to Live course in the midweeks, you know that this was one of the verses that is used in that little booklet to demonstrate that we all are sinners. None of us is outside that category. And it's the people who recognize that need, who know that they are sinners, they are the people for whom Jesus has come. And Levi was quite used to having himself grouped in that category, tax collectors and sinners. He'd have held his hands up and acknowledged that he was a sinner. One day, Jesus came to Levi, and we're told he saw Levi. Actually, the, the Greek word behind uh, the word saw is a, a, a more intense word. Jesus looked at Levi and took him in. He looked at Levi, he saw what was in Levi's heart, 
He saw Levi with all his meanness and greed. He had a full knowledge of his hurts and his fears and his sin and his failure. And he went to Levi. He chose Levi. There were loads of people in Capernaum that day who were more righteous, if you like, than Levi. There were people who were regular synagogue attenders, some even who read the scriptures in the synagogue. There were people who didn't cheat on their taxes. There were men who were community-minded and who were respected in Capernaum. People, in other words, who weren't scumbags like Levi was. But Jesus went to Levi. He chose Levi. And if you know that you're a sinner, then you know that Jesus has come for you. If you're ready to acknowledge your need, you will find a welcome with him. Everyone in church this morning isn't either of two categories. You're either uh, in with the tax collectors and sinners or you're in with the Pharisees. You're in a group that's ready to acknowledge, I'm a sinner. I need God. I've messed up and I can't get anywhere on my own. Or you're kidding yourself that all's well and you need Jesus. And Jesus says, I've come for the sinners. I've come for people like Levi who know that they are selfish, greedy, lustful, broken down. Jesus has not come for good people. That's why we don't let good people join this church. Just people who know they're not good and need a saviour who is. Jesus has got nothing to say to people who think that they are doing quite well, thank you very much, without him. The people Jesus chooses. Secondly, the call Jesus gives. Jesus took the initiative with Levi. He went to Levi. He came to where Levi was. He came to Levi in the middle of his work. Notice it wasn't a case of you come halfway to God, he'll come halfway to you. It's never like that. We can't go halfway anywhere. God must come all the way to us. Jesus takes the initiative. He draws us before we knew him. He calls us with a powerful call which has in it the power to change us and make us responsive. Follow me, Jesus says to Levi with words of power. Follow me. Now, because there's so much that's condensed in the gospel, I'm quite sure that this was not the first encounter that Jesus had with Levi. There would have been times when Levi had heard Jesus explaining the kingdom and the means of entering the kingdom. Because the whole drift, the whole tenor of the, the gospel is that we must make a, a rational response to what we understand. And so Levi would have heard his sinnerhood and his need of a saviour. But there came a point in Levi's life 
when he was faced with a challenge to follow, to make a decisive commitment to Jesus Christ. And it was that day. Jesus came to where Levi was collecting taxes and said, Levi, follow me. Follow me. Now, this is relevant to each one of us. Obviously, there's differences. None of us are going to be called to write a gospel. That work's been done. Few of us are ever called to leave our our job or our career, although that's not impossible. But all of us are called in the way that Levi was. And Levi did three things in response to Jesus' call on him to follow him. First of all, he got up and left everything. He had a break with his past life. He left behind that day his false gods, which were his single-minded worship of money. Levi lived for money. He was willing to cheat, willing to ride roughshod over other people's feelings. He looked out for number one, but that was over. Because that day, Levi left behind his love of money. And he showed that in a very radical response to the call of Jesus. Now, if any man or woman would follow Jesus, there must be a radical leaving behind of everything that is a challenge to the lordship of Jesus. Every other lord we must leave behind. Clearly, for Levi, popularity wasn't an issue. He was willing to be unpopular if he could get money. But for some of us, popularity is an issue. It can become a god. We are so afraid of what other people think of us that we're unwilling to commit. And it may be that we're, we have to count, we have to reckon with the, the possibility that others mock us. Others will maybe not want to be friends with us any longer because we are moving in another direction to them. And so we leave behind false friends, fair weather friends. There are places that we leave behind, places that have been sources of temptation, places into which Jesus would never lead you. For every rival to the lordship of Jesus, Jesus says, take the axe to it. Cut it down. Cut it down at the roots. Be absolutely ruthless. Take that wrecking ball and demolish all that would set itself up as a rival to the Lord Jesus Christ and leave it behind. Leave it behind. Levi walked from his tax booth. And some people are called by God to leave behind their employment or their situation. Levi is a great hero, actually, There's wonderful courage in his action here. Because when you think about it, there was no possibility of his going back to being a tax collector. For the fishermen, there were quite a number of fishermen amongst the twelve, they could and did, in fact, go back to their fishing later on. You just went back to your boat, put the boat out again, put down the nets, got on with the fishing. But there was no way the Romans were going to take on Levi after he had walked out on them. No, that was, that was history. 
His time as a tax collector was over. He had burned his bridges. Levi left all, and secondly, he followed Jesus. If the leaving all is repentance, the following is moving in faith. He was ready to go with Jesus wherever Jesus would lead. Jesus says, if anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross and let him come after me. So we embark on this adventure. And it is an adventure. It is an adventure. Yes, there's a cost. But any Christian will tell you that the, that the thrill of following Jesus uh, makes such a, a lightweight of the cost that it's hardly worth speaking about. The adventure of following Jesus. Going with him into the new territory where he is leading us. A commitment to learn from Jesus. Levi is going to be following Jesus around, being taught on the job, as it were. We're committing ourselves as new disciples to to studying the word, growing in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus, aligning our lives more and more into his will. It's a commitment to the people of Jesus, to the church, to gather together, not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves. It's a commitment to his mission for the world, that we share the gospel with others. It's a commitment to serve the world. It's a commitment that Jesus will be Lord over every important decision of your life. Who you marry is now in Jesus' hands. Where you go for your work is now a decision that Jesus must make. Where you live, the sovereignty of your life has been given over to Jesus. Levi followed Jesus. Thirdly, I want you to notice that, Jesus, that Levi threw a banquet. <laughs> he threw a party. And I think it was a very spontaneous, unselfconscious act. But in that spontaneous, unselfconscious way, Levi was demonstrating to you and to me what it is to have our lives lined up with Jesus' plan for the world. He gathered around all his friends. Why? Because he wanted to tell them what he was doing. (laughs) He didn't leave his job with a grim face. He left it with banners flying. And he threw a party. And he said, I'm following Jesus. Uh, Actually, you won't be able to take your tax returns into me any longer because I'm going after Jesus. I've got something that's much higher, a higher calling on my life. I have become one of the the disciples of Jesus of Nazareth. And he had lots of friends who were on the margins, people that the Pharisees didn't like, but they were ready to come to his house. He threw a big party and he told them about Jesus. Let me challenge any of you who are new Christians. It's a really special time when you have just trusted Jesus because you've got loads of friends aren't Christians make the most of these days you can do worse than do what Levi did (laughs) open your home to people who don't know Jesus and be open in the most natural way I doubt if Levi got up and preached (laughs) but they knew what he was doing and why he had called the party 
We need to be uh, refreshingly open about following Jesus. Don't miss the great opportunity in those first 12 months of following Jesus. Let everyone know who your new master is. Of course, not everybody was happy. Somebody said that there are always those who go around with long faces because they have this sneaking suspicion that someone somewhere is having a good time. And there were people like that looking in through the windows at the party. They were, of course, the Pharisees. They were not happy that there was this party going on. They were not happy that Jesus and his disciples were with them. And it sparked off a debate about the new and the old, about the celebration that Jesus brings, which is our last point. And Jesus points out to these Pharisees, these glum, critical, killjoy Pharisees, he points out to them that he's come to bring something which is not simply an improvement on their distortion of Judaism. Remember, Jesus is always critical of what the Pharisees had added, not to the Old Testament, but what the Pharisees had made of the Old Testament. They've made it a bunch of rules. He said, I've come to bring something that is totally new. Something which uh, is a way of grace and not a way of law-keeping. He says, you can't take this new thing and simply sew it on to the old garment. You can't take new wine and pour it into old wineskins because the new wine will fizz and will burst the old wineskin. You can't take the joy and the grace, the power, the peace of the gospel and just add it on to your book of rules. It can't hold in the exuberance, the grace of the gospel. The banquet figure of speech is used often by Jesus and the New Testament writers as a picture of what it is to come into the family of God. Don't know if any of you uh, read the book uh, Babette's Feast or perhaps saw the film. Uh, it, I think, came out in the, the late 80s and it was set in, in Denmark and had subtitles. Uh, very powerful film. And very quickly, the, the, the plot is uh, concerning two sisters uh, who are now elderly spinsters. Uh, they are in this remote village in Jutland, a very bleak part of Denmark. The sisters, Martin and Philippa, had a father who established a sect, a Christian sect. And their father is now dead. Uh, the sect has really got nowhere. No one's been attracted to its austere and very joyless uh, way of life. And the, the film portrays this rather bleak uh, picture of a community that gather together uh, to eat communally cabbage soup and other delights and they've fallen out with one another. Nobody's very happy, <coughs> long faces, uh, an aging community. And then one day Babette arrives. She knocks on the door with a letter of introduction. It's actually from uh, a suitor of one of the sisters from her youth and it asks that Babette, who has fled 
the, the counter-revolution in Paris should be given a job in the, the, the kitchens of, the, of the, the, the gathered community. She had worked once in a well-known restaurant. And Babette stays, and for 14 years she cooks for this community and she serves them. And her only connection with her past is a lottery ticket in the Paris lottery that a friend renews uh, regularly. And one day, Babette wins the lottery. She wins 10,000 francs. And instead of using the money to return to France and to enjoy a new lifestyle, she decides that she will spend all the money in throwing the most amazing meal for the people in the village. And so she orders up the most exotic uh, ingredients for this meal, things that nobody has heard of. And as the different uh, ingredients for the meal arrive, the sisters are becoming increasingly suspicious that this is going to be a, a sensuous and luxurious occasion. And they decide that nobody should admit to enjoying the meal. They'll allow Babette to go ahead, but nobody's to enjoy the meal. But when the day comes for the feast, uh, Babette's delight in bestowing her own bounty upon these people that she's got to know and love begins to melt hearts. And you can see people who had been estranged from one another beginning to talk to one another. And old uh, friendships are renewed and hearts are healed and there is a new light in the, the darkness of the community. The ice of judgmentalism is thawed and joy prevails. That is a picture also of the gospel. It's the new wine of the gospel. <coughs> Jesus gives to each one of us an invitation to the banquet. And you can either come inside with the tax collectors and sinners or you can stand outside and carp and criticise with the Pharisees we're either in one camp or the other don't disqualify yourself by thinking that you're not the kind for whom Jesus came remember it is the sick who need a doctor it is the sinner who needs the Lord Jesus. There was a cox of a Great Britain rowing team who uh, was summoning up the, the eight rowers in, in, a, in a, of an Olympic race to put in the supreme effort. And to the rhythm of the stroke, he was crying at these words. If not now, when? If not you, who? If not now, when? If not you, if not now, to follow Jesus. When? If not you, then who? Let's bow in prayer together. Father, we thank you for the, the glorious generosity of the gospel. We thank you for the feast that has been prepared by Jesus, to which all are invited. We thank you for the fact that you have come not to seek the self-righteous, but those who know that they're needy, 
those who know that they're sinners. Lord, melt our hearts that we might receive that gospel. And give us, Lord, a desire to share it with our friends like Levi did. That our homes might be open homes, places where people who are not yet believers will come and will encounter Jesus as the master of ceremonies. Lord, be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.